Now, this is an important thing to note. You don't have to pay the note. You have to pay the loan. Yeah. Which is safe to say most people can't or be willing to do. I mean, think about it. If you can't afford the payment, you definitely can't afford the full cost of the loan plus fees. And by the way, repo fees can range anywhere from a couple hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars. And it compounds depending on how long the car is impounded. And so this is just, it's a massive financial bill that comes at a time where you were just, you know, going to Wendy's. You were just going to run upstairs to to your office. Like, it's not something you were expecting. Welcome to the Rich and Regular podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Julian. And today we're talking about repossessions. AKA the Repo Man. Yes, the Repo Man. That's my favorite boogeyman. Is the Repo Man. The repo Man. <laughs> I cannot even think of the last time I've I've said those words. Did you ever watch that show, Operation Repo? Mm, oh no, man, that sounds like it was on Bravo. Or something. I don't know what channel it was, A&E but it was like the ultimate in fake reality TV. <laughs> like it was so bad, but it was so good. Like every single repo was dramatic. There was one where she like. Fell out of a parking that garage. Like cops <laughs> no, it's far more dramatic. Something like that. Yeah, it's like the drama of Storage Wars. Oh, I believe it is. Yeah, <laughs> I've never watched any of those shows. I know that they exist just because they pop up in other areas of pop culture. But yeah, no, I've never, I never watched. Was it Operation Rebo? Operation Rebo. Yeah, no, I never look watched it up it. on YouTube. I will not. <laughs> um, but speaking of social media, quick shout out to Raymond Lamar who actually follows us on Twitter and. Yes. Hit us up because he saw a very similar article to what we saw, which is what inspired this conversation. We'll get into that in just a second. But I will say, I don't know, like I've not thought about repo. I got to stop calling it repo. Repossessions. I want to be a little more professional. <laughs> I haven't thought about it in a really long time, but I have always been intrigued by things like this or like what I call economy anecdotal warning signs. So like it's all the little things that you kind of pay attention to to kind of get a general feel for where the economy is. So like Mm -hmm. back when I used to be in real estate, like I used to really pay attention to the roofs, like the general quality and health of roofs in the neighborhood, like whether or not there was a lot of upkeep there or like you pay attention to the number and the types of cars that you see broken down on the side Mm -hmm. of the road or the rise of HELOCs as like a lever as to whether or not people are like dipping into like the third or fourth bag to try to get themselves out of a situation or even little things like you see like large commercial real estate projects. I remember there was a neighborhood that we used to want to live in and I'm so glad we did not make that decision because now like years later, every time we drive by there, we look and we see that like they're still working on it because Mm -hmm. reality is I think the developer ran out of money. The area got sort of hit bad by a bunch of different things. And so like all of that to say, like there are all these little things that you try to pay attention to that give you insight into the general health of right. the American wallet. And I think repossessions is one of those things. So I got to ask, do you know anyone that's ever been, or like, well, have you, have you ever had something no. repossessed? <laughs> no, I've never had anything repossessed. And I don't know that I know anybody. I've definitely seen it though. Like when I yeah. lived in my fancy, you know, midtown apartment, they wouldn't necessarily come for the car, but they come from the, for the rims and the tires. So <laughs> there were several mornings where my neighbors would wake up with, you know, their cars on bricks because their tires and rims were released. But I think your suspicion was correct because you're right. I saw the same article about the growing number of repossessions being on the rise. And you can literally see the chain of effects 
going back to the early days of the pandemic, when people had stimulus checks to keep them afloat, it was much easier to make payments. Mm -hmm. But now that that's gone away and inflation has impacted the cost of living across the country, it's much harder for people to keep up. And so the people that could afford a $500 or a $600 car payment Mm -hmm. a few years ago can't really swing it today. And they're defaulting on their loans, unfortunately. So a couple of not so fun stats. The average monthly payment for a new car is up 26% since 2019 to $718 a month. And nearly one in six new car buyers is spending more than $1,000 a month on vehicles. Now, I haven't shopped for a car in a very, very long time, but like I can't imagine how I feel committing to a $1,000 payment for five or seven years, right? And according to Ally Financial, they kind of expect delinquencies to increase to as much as 3.8% compared to 3.1% in 2019. Yeah, that doesn't seem like that much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's the hard part when you're dealing with like percentage points. But to put that in perspective, yes, it's only 3.8% of outstanding loans. That hike between 3.1 and 3.8 is a 20% increase versus this time three years ago. Wow. And so, yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you may be thinking like, wow, that 20% is more work for them, for repossessions companies or repossession companies. But the thing is, there are actually 30% fewer repossession companies today than there were three years ago. So oh, many of these businesses closed due to the pandemic, which means most of the repossessions are going to fewer repossession companies, which has created like this backlog because they can't handle the demand and plot twist. Lenders are stepping in to help them out. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Add some fire to it, which is part of the reason why we're wanting to talk about this. So according to the article, lenders want to close out these outstanding loans. So to help repossession companies, they're paying a premium to them to keep up with the demand. So if you're Mm -hmm. a repo man or woman, that's a good thing. But if you're a borrower, it's safe to say that these guys or gals are going to be super aggressive and like take no prisoners to get back the cars because like there's more money to be made. And there are fewer people that kind of grab these vehicles. And, and I'm focusing primarily on vehicles, but it really could be anything. But all of this, like when you combine it to it's like a recipe for disaster. You have people who are really hurting financially. They can't make their payments. You got lenders who are anxious and due to the backlog and to the rise of defaults to try to cope with all of that pressure, they're paying repossession companies a premium to actually get those vehicles back or whatever it is more quickly or Mm -hmm. faster or like it's just like a recipe for disaster to me yeah just stay safe out there man like as all this plays out we know how how reliant people are on their vehicles to get their kids to school to get to work like just Stay safe. Pay pay the people, right? We do want to talk a little bit about how repossessions work, just in case any of you out there find yourselves in this situation or have someone in their life who finds themselves in this situation. And one of the questions that I've always had is, how do you know when or if your car has been repossessed? Like, how do you know it wasn't just stolen? Yeah. And so we did some research in this episode and the answer is you don't really at least not in the moment it's not like they call you to tell you they're gonna take it they just come and take it yeah and ideally it's when you're not home or are not in it it's interesting because that actually makes me think of like the few examples in my life of people that i know that have had their cars repossessed and it kind of makes sense that's the first thing that you think of you come downstairs yeah you look for your car it's not there the very first thing you think is that it's been repossessed and then when you think about it, it's not like those people are going to say, oh, like they probably lying about it. Like the number of people that we know have 
that may have said that their car was stolen. Like mm-hmm. there's probably a significant percentage of them where the vehicle was actually repossessed. Right, right. And I guess from from their perspective, in theory, the bill that you receive with the with the due date is the warning. Mm. So if you don't pay it, you basically grant them the right to take your car. And again, the more aggressive the market is for that asset, the more likely they'll be to take aggressive mm. measures. It's one of the many, you know, pitfalls of of capitalism, I guess. But however, the laws differ by state. So here in Georgia, an auto lender can take the car anytime after the payment is late and they aren't required to give you a notice. But once that vehicle is taken, they are required to mail you a notice within 10 days telling you what happened. And in that notice, they'll explain how you have to pay off the loan and the repo fees if you want the car back. Now, this is an important thing to note. You don't have to pay the note. You have to pay the loan, Yeah, which is safe to say most people can't or be willing to do. I mean, think about it. If you can't afford the payment, you definitely can't afford the full cost of the loan plus fees. And by the way, repo fees can range anywhere from a couple hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars. And it compounds depending on how long the car is impounded. And so this is just it's a massive financial bill that comes at a time where you were just, you know, going to Wendy's. You were just going to run upstairs to to your office. Like, it's not something you were expecting. So let me ask you this. How do you know if your car has been towed? Has your car ever been towed? Yes, my car has been towed. So at that towed. point, you really just need to, like, assume, like, you go back to the parking spot and you're looking up to see if whether or yeah. not you were in a tow zone. Correct. So you don't know. Like, even in those moments, you don't yeah. know if it was stolen, repossessed, or just towed because you were parked illegally. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a terrible night. Yeah, it is. In one case, I think I've had my car towed twice. And in one case, there was a sign yeah. that says, you know, you knew you were wrong. Yeah. But, you know, it was Saturday and everybody was doing it. And in the other case, I actually had to go in because I had parked at a gas station. I had to go in and ask, oh, like, yeah. uh, my car's missing. And they were like, yeah. Yeah, read the sign. And yeah, call you can't park here and go to the club across the street. And it's like, well, everybody else is doing it. <laughs> I didn't know. It's ladies' night. <laughs> Y'all not using these parking spots for nothing. Right, right, right. right. (laughs) I used to do the same thing. All right. So fun fact, getting back to repo, this entire predicament, this idea of people falling behind and having their vehicles repossessed, this entire predicament is exactly what fuels inventory for car auctions. So people who can't afford to keep their cars, they end up having those cars repossessed in many cases. And others are and those cars, excuse me, are then put in uh, auctions where people can bid on them. Uh, And what that does is it gives the lender an opportunity to recoup what they lost. So let's just use like a little example here because it kind of gets a little screwy. But let's say you owe $20,000 on the car and you default on that loan. The car gets repossessed. It gets sent to an auction, but they can only sell it for $15,000 in that auction. The lender, even though they repossessed the vehicle and sold it for lower than what you owed on it, they still come back to you for the $5,000 that you owe them. So that amount is called the deficiency amount. And the lender will basically sue you for the amount that you still owe. Like you're not out of the lease just because you don't have the car. And again, as I was thinking about this, I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel like I remember this happening to someone and them feeling like they had rights or that this was wrong. But if you think about it, you got the car, whether or not you kept up with the payment or not, you basically said that, you know. This was the agreed upon amount. Yeah, you were borrowing the car you from You still them. owe the money even though you don't have the car. Yeah. Now, in addition to all of that, it impacts your credit score, which obviously takes a hit. And repossessions remain on your credit report for a minimum of seven years. Minimum so, of seven Minimum years. seven years, wow. no matter what you do. So even if you continue to make payments and you come to some type of agreement with the lender, 
it just means it stays on your report, but it's noted as a positive account. So it's like, oh, this thing happened. It's going to be here for seven years. It's positive, Mm -hmm. but it's not like removed from your account. And obviously this can make life very difficult. I mean, you know, you've got a negative ding on your credit report. Mm -hmm. You've got employers out there these days who are actually looking at you or running credit reports for prospective employees, which again, considering we're in a recession, people are looking for jobs. It just, you can see how like yeah, apartment leases, spiral out mortgages, of credit cards. Yeah, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so a couple more details because I just want to make sure that people really understand this. One, if they take your car, they're taking everything in the car too. But the repo man legally can't keep those things, but you will be without them until you fix the situation. Man, that sounds terrible. I know. I, 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 my mind immediately went to like your work laptop Listen, or your phone. You could yeah. be at the gym. Doc, like everything your you garage need. opener, gate oh opener, like all that stuff. Yeah. The repo man can't take the car from your garage without consent. They also can't disturb your neighbors, although... I've heard of a repo man coming through a couple I was about times. To say, getting creative. <laughs> yeah. I'm not disturbing your neighbor. Yeah. I was just asking them a I'm simple just outside. question. Hey, what's the last time you saw They can't threaten you or use physical force, which they do on Operation Repo quite often. They can't damage the car or any of your property to get it. So they can't like tear down a gate or anything like that. And fun random fact, the Service Members Civil Relief Act requires a lender to get a court order before repossessing a vehicle belonging to an active duty service member. So if that's you, you have a little bit of added protection there as a thank you for your service. So you do have some rights. Like I just listed a few things that they're not able to do. It doesn't mean, as we're saying, that they can't get creative because a lot of that stuff is subjective, right? When we talk about disturbing your neighbor, when we're talking about taking the car from your garage, if you're in a parking garage, like, is that your garage, even though you pay a lease there? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, yeah, just something to be aware of. Okay, so what else do you need to know about repossessions? Well, there are two types of repossessions. They are voluntary and involuntary. So let's start with the latter. Involuntary is basically what most people see. That's what we've kind of been talking about. That's when a lender through the services of a repossession company are basically seizing an item. In many cases, it's a vehicle because you were behind on payments. You likely won't know when this happens. The repo man just basically shows up and takes your car. You are then charged fees by both the lender and the repossession company. So that's involuntary. Then there's voluntary, which it's kind of weird. It's like a voluntary repossession. But this is basically when you kind of initiate the action, you take the lead and you're basically telling the lender that you can't make the payments and you mm. want to get the vehicle back. So it's kind oh. of a weird way of kind of calling it. But, you know, it's voluntary repossession. It's more like a, a return. It's more like a return. It's like, <laughs> like, look, I know I said <laughs> this was the car that I wanted and this is how much I could pay. But things have changed. You could have it back. Yes. The benefit of doing that, kind of taking that, you know, lead and kind of tucking, what is it, tucking your tail in between Mm -hmm. your legs or something like that. The benefit to that is that you avoid the surprise and you pay less in fees since there's no impounding or potentially awkward or like publicly embarrassing situation. So that's the perfect transition, I think, to talking about solutions. What can you do if you find yourself on the bad side of a deal, you're unable to make payments and your vehicle or whatever item it is, again, is at risk of repossession. First thing you can do is exactly what we just said, which is a voluntary possession. Like, obviously, you want to try to figure out what you can do. And it could be 
Maybe you're taking up a side hustle or borrowing money from someone or something like that. But if all else fails, like, you know, voluntary repossession is, I think, a preferable solution. The second thing you can do is try to cut a deal. So you return the car, you basically pay to break a lease, uh, get a newer, more affordable vehicle. It's very similar to what people do when they have an apartment and they want to try to break that agreement, that contractual agreement, or they're trying to downsize in a home or something like that. So, so long as you're willing to pay the fees that are associated with that transaction, you can bake that agreement and salvage your credit. Yeah. Now, proactively, there are some things that you can do to avoid getting in this situation altogether. Mm -hmm. The first thing is when you're evaluating a car loan, very similar to a home loan, avoid borrowing the maximum amount that a lender is willing to give you. We know that the big three expenses are housing, transportation, and food. And generally speaking, the rule of thumb is that housing shouldn't be more than half your monthly net income. We'd advise for you to aim closer to 25% to give yourself some cushion, but understand that that's very difficult in some high cost of living areas. But transportation shouldn't be more than 20%. And again, we recommend aiming for 10 to 15%. And then, you know, the rest of the big three is, is on food. Now, for most people, those three expenses eat up around 65% of their take-home pay. So by giving yourself some cushion on the first two, you're putting yourself in a situation where your home and your car loans don't exceed more than 40% of your pay. And the remaining line item is variable, which means that you can flex it up or down anytime. You can Mm -hmm. decide if you're going to eat like a king or if you're going to eat like a college student anytime you want. Now, that cushion, that cushion is key because that's what allows you to save, which is what enables you to invest and comfortably ride the wave during the tough times. Like the times we're in. Yes, like the times that we're in. So again, so much of being good with money is about being proactive and avoiding potentially dire situations altogether. In a perfect world, you don't have to know anything about repossessions because you'll never be in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one other thing you can do, in addition to some of the recommendations we've already given and some of the preventative measures that Kirsten just spoke about, is what's called a loan modification. And I like to think of this as the same way as I do refinancing on a home. So basically, it's your job to protect your credit. It's your credit. It's your reputation as a borrower. So if you find yourself behind on payments, you should be proactive in talking with your lender about your situation. If you do that, they might be able to adjust the terms of your loan to keep it current, which is a win-win for everyone. They don't want to have to go through the auction process. They don't want to have to go through the process of potentially having to sue you for the amount that you may Mm -hmm. still owe if they aren't able to recoup what they originally borrowed to you or, uh, or provided you. They may do things like defer a few payments, right? They may say, hey, well, here's what we can do. Right. Let's keep you in the car. Let's uh, keep this thing current, but we'll delay a few payments at a simple fee that, you know, doesn't kick in until X, Y date. They may restructure the payments altogether so they're more affordable for you because it could be that, gosh, the difference between like a $700 payment and a $600 payment is really all you need, but you mm-hmm. couldn't come up with it. And so, like, instead of spiraling out of control and creating all this paperwork and again, They are also mindful of the backlog and repossession. So they might actually prefer to work with you and to delay some payments or restructure your loan altogether as opposed to going through this potentially awkward and frustrating process. Loan modifications do require a new credit check. Mm -hmm. And if that is the case and you are able to get one, you just need to be in mind that unlike a refinance, you're likely not going to get preferable terms, right? You're going to get 
probably a little worse terms than you did before. They might add a couple of other additional fees and things like that just to make up for the fact that, hey, like you kind of broke, even though it's voluntary and on good terms, you broke this agreement. Here's what we can do to adjust it. And it's a bit of an in-between between the original loan and avoiding a repossession. Yeah. You can also just try to sell the car. Now, I know this is an unpopular opinion. A lot of people like to do a bunch of workarounds before they get rid of the thing that's causing all the issues. But you can try to sell the car. And if you're really lucky, you'll get something close to what it's worth and you can use those proceeds to pay off the loan. If not, you know, you'll be on the hook for the difference. But it's it's an option that people often don't consider as as an option for them and they should. Now, if you try to sell the car to a dealer, you're probably going to get lowballed. I mean, sure. you're definitely going to get lowballed. You're the motivated seller in this case and they know you need the money, so they're not going to give you anywhere near what it's worth. There are online platforms that do this pretty quickly as well. Basically, you would put your license plate or VIN number and they can give you an offer in seconds based on an estimated value. Mm-hmm. So that's an alternative to trying to sell to the dealer that you bought it from. Now, of course, there are still places like garages that can make you an offer or you can do an old school and put up flyers on in public places or park the car at the end of your driveway with a for sale sign, which is actually quite popular right now. Like there's a lot of cars in our neighborhood, in our area that are for sale. Yeah, you're right. I just yeah. saw one the other day. Yeah. So if you do this, you'll want to make sure that you organize all of your paperwork ahead of time to make sure that you don't have any issues. So you'll need the car's title, a vehicle history report, check the DMV to see what other paperwork might be required to transfer ownership, like a bill of sale or if the plates go with the car and stay with you. If you owe on the vehicle, you'll want to make sure that you contact your lender so that they understand this is happening and so that you can pass on any new details to the new buyer, right? So from there, you're basically going through the process of selling your car like you would anything else. You're screening buyers, negotiating, and then you're closing the deal. It's not like a real estate (laughs) closing, though. This is a more like garage sale purchase. This is like a a fancy like neighborhood handshake. (laughs) You've never sold a car before, right? (laughs) Not to anyone directly. I've only sold to the places where I was buying my new car. Yeah, I sold my first car that I bought and owned free and clear to a former coworker. And it's interesting because like, I don't remember doing any of this stuff. So like, I'm pretty sure I just took my license plate and was like, here's how much, man. And then I'm pretty sure I typed up like a three sentence contract (laughs) on a loose leaf piece of paper. But I was just like, but I'm going to keep it, you know, and that was pretty much it. But But you gave the coworker the title, right? I think so. I I would imagine he would. Yeah. I would imagine he would have asked for it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I gave him the title. Yeah, I was like, here's the title. I'm taking my license plate. And <laughs> he probably just Googled stuff. it and followed, you know, yeah. whatever the first I page pro- I should says. probably do some research on that. Yeah, you probably still own it. I probably still own that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reported stolen. <laughs> do not get, do Get that. my Oldsmobile Achiever back. 1995. <laughs> that thing is in a junkyard somewhere, I'm sure. All right. Earlier, uh, you asked the question, how do you know if your car was stolen or repossessed, um, or towed, like we spoke about that. I did a little bit of research on this, and you were right. The short answer is you don't know. Uh, But what I was able to find out was a couple of things. Again, because of the repossession frenzy that we're in, and actually I think this stuff that happened a little bit before that, but a couple of things have happened. Primarily, the government has stepped in. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB, basically are passing new measures to basically help to stop or slow down the illegal 
seizure of cars because again i think these incentives have kind of mm-hmm. emblazoned if you will like mm-hmm. kind of got the repossession companies a little excited about being able to earn a little bit more money from the lenders and so the government is stepping in because it has sort of led to some sloppy paperwork and mm-hmm. people having cars repossessed or like faulty statements showing that there's a balance when there isn't and so on and so on so they have stepped in to try to slow this down but obviously, there's still work to be done because repossessions are on the rise. And I would imagine with that are going to come some illegal repossessions. But I wanted to make sure that people did know that the repossession companies, when they do uh, actually take the vehicle, they are required to contact the police. Mm-hmm. So if you file a report and say, hey, I think my car was stolen, the police should be able to run a report. And in the process of running that report or as a result of it, they should then be able to see that actually no. Yeah. Case closed. It wasn't stolen. The car was repossessed. You need to reach out to whoever you need. Yeah. And we'll go about our business. So. And I'm sure the police are trained to ask, like, are you current on any payments? Where you parked? Where was it parked? Correct. Where was it stolen from? Just Correct. to run through, like, Correct. it's probably in a tow Correct. yard or, Correct. you know. But I'm bringing it up because, again, like, these are things that are supposed to happen. These are things that repossession companies are slated to do, but... Yeah. No different than anyone else. Like yeah. things get sloppy. People happen. are moving and shaking. They were going to file the paperwork in the morning instead of like that same mm-hmm. night when you woke up. Any number of things could happen, but it's just something that we wanted to make sure people were aware of. Yes. All right. What you got? Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, what could my you final thought. Say? <laughs> so you got to pay them Why don't people. You wrap this up in a nice <laughs> positive way. It's 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 not positive. It's just the reality is that you got to pay them people. Yeah. You know, we talk about debt a lot on this podcast, but it's important to call it by its other name as well. Loan. Mm-hmm. It is a loan until you have that title in your hand. Your car is on loan from your financier, which means they can take it back for for non-payment. And repos are are terrible in general, and they have a huge impact on your ability to get further reliable transportation. Typically, like you said, once you have it on your record, kind of boxed into either private financing or finding alternative ways to get around. And that's just a burden nobody wants. Seven years, man. Seven years. It just saves in your credit report. All right. Uh, I am not going to echo those thoughts. I think that was pretty clear. Repos suck, dude. (laughs) They suck. They are absolutely horrible. I hope it never happens to me. hope it never happens to any one of the people that are listening to us. But I will say this is a bit of a silver lining. You're in the market for vehicles, right? Like maybe this is a time that we reevaluate the role that auctions play in our lives. I, I remember one of the first times I bought a vehicle, you know, it was for those reasons. And I think that auctions for the most part get a bad rap because I think people think that these are cars that are not, you know, well taken care of. But the reality is like, auto uh, sellers like basically get their vehicles from auctions too. And so there's really no guarantee. It's still on you to kind of run inspections and those kinds of things, but there are deals to be made. So if you are in the market, I guess the silver lining of repossessions being on the rise and a recession is that you might actually be in luck and your dream car mm-hmm. might pop up in an auction mm-hmm. uh, and you might be able to get it for pennies on the dollar. So if you're willing to do the work and maybe show up, I think it's like on the, City Hall yeah. or something like that. I don't know what it looks like. I've never well, they said it. a lot of those, um, what's the Mercedes, the G5? The, the, oh, I would imagine. Yeah, There'll all the crypto of, cars. The, listen. They got a ton of them. Go get me one. Them and Rolexes have all been like seized and, and repossessed due to non-payment. That'll be my new hobby. Go get <laughs> auctions. Go get Rolexes. Yeah. And sell them on you probably do well in Atlanta. Probably I'll fly could. down to Miami and no. get you some there. <laughs> 
Anyway, <laughs> thank you all for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular Podcast presented by Success. I ain't going to pull up on you and take my review, but I am going to ask you nicely <laughs> to head on over to the Apple's rating and review page. If you like what you heard, leave us a five-star rating and review and a comment, and we will see y'all next week. Thank you.